So take a deep breath. Run for the hills if you need to. No, I'm kidding. How is everybody doing? Generally well? Okay. All right. Would anyone go like this? Like, I'm doing terrible if they really were. If you are doing terrible and you wish you could do that, at the end of this message, we'll have a ministry time. And, and we all gather up here and we say, Jesus, we need you. So if that's where you are, I want to tell you in about 28 minutes from now, that's the opportunity you get. All right? Let's pray. Father, I just want to rejoice in your presence because I'm so thankful to be here. I'm so thankful to get to worship in spirit and in truth, to give my love freely to you. I thank you, God, that everyone who's here, you've drawn from us worship. And in the midst of our giving to you, you've poured out on us your love. So I ask for a deep, personal, even tangible revelation of your love this morning as we fix our eyes on Jesus. Amen. We are uh, beginning a series uh, we're going to be doing in November on generosity. A generous life is what we're calling it. Um, It does uh, coordinate well with Thanksgiving and also the beginning of the giving wall. You'll have lots of opportunities to to be giving in the next couple of weeks. But this morning, I want to center us all at, at the source of generosity, and that's Jesus. So this morning is um, what a Scottish friend of mine used to call a big, fat Jesus message. Um, I wish he was here to give it. (laughs) Generosity is an attitude. Generosity is a life posture. And generosity that stems from the love and the generosity of God is a way that we look to our lives because of what God's done for us. Giving is an action. I would say giving is a subset of generosity. Generosity is, is uh, the life of grace that comes from a life that's been graced by Jesus. So what we give, we give out of the love of Jesus who's poured out his whole life for us. Giving is an action. Generosity is an attitude. And what we wanna, though we're going to talk in the next couple of weeks about specifically challenging ways to give our time, our talents, our treasure. I did not come up with that, but I do like the alliteration. You're not really with me yet this morning. You're going to get there. I promise. It's going to be real fun. Even though we're going to talk about real uh, practical challenges on, on those giving aspects, I want to center us in and on the person of Jesus. Because Jesus is the example of generosity. John 3.16, God so loved the world. What was his expression of love? That he gave. Who did he give? His one and only son. And I just love it that it's essentially all we sang about this morning. And I even love it better because I wish we were all planned and Nancy and I had planned all that, but we didn't. We didn't even talk to each other this week. And yet she basically sang the message I'm about to speak. We sang the message that Jesus is going to give to us. Pure generosity is not a giving to get. It's a giving from grace. Grace is we've received everything from God, everything that we need, everything we could ever want. This includes our life, our position in Christ, eternity, all of our resources. And generosity and the giving that comes from it is simply out of grace, letting God's abundance pour out of us. That's what generosity looks like. 
And as we look at this life posture of, of generosity revealed in the scriptures, revealed in the life of Jesus, we'll see it's not an autopilot type of generosity. Now, if you have automatically, you know, you give every, every week or every month or you have other missions that you give to in your life or people that you give generously of your time to, I'm not saying stop it. I'm just saying let's step back and take it off of autopilot because all of us can get to a place where we get comfortable with where we are with God. I mean, comfort is good in the sense of love, but Jesus seems to always be calling us deeper and higher. And so we're going to be challenged these next couple of weeks to take the whole thing off of autopilot, which means a one-to-one, day-by-day, week-by-week, month-by-month, season-by-season, year-by-year interaction with Jesus. Jesus, lead me into your generous life. Jesus, how do you want to live your life through me? What does generosity look like in my life? The attitude and the action of giving. And it means that we'll get a deep revelation that generosity involves faith, it involves obedience, and it involves sacrifice. After all, we follow Jesus, who was ultimately faithful, ultimately obedient, and gave the ultimate sacrifice, giving himself willingly on the cross for us. There's going to be a cost. It's important that I preface the whole month on generosity with this, and I do it every time I talk about generosity, at least for the last 18 years. I always start this with this, uh, with this understanding. We're commanded to give time, talents, and treasure. We never give to get. I'll just say it again. We don't give in order to get. Right on the other side of that is when we give, we receive. Do you, do you, do you feel the tension of that? Our motivation in giving is never to receive, but the logical, scriptural, God-promised outcome of our giving is always receiving from God. So we've got to be careful about motivation and outcome, because what's it all about? We sang it for 20 minutes, Jesus. Our focus, our motivation, the source of our generosity and our, our aim is Jesus himself. Receiving from God is not the motivation, but it's the promised outcome. And if you just look in the Bible, Malachi 3, 2 Kings 4 and 8, Mark 10, Luke 6, 2 Corinthians 9, and on and on, you see that the the result of giving is always a receiving from the Lord. You'll hear some stories in the next couple weeks. My wife and I have a story. I won't tell it today. It's not my story to tell. About just the way that God over incredibly abundantly beyond you could ask or imagine gives in response to our love given to him. But the motivation of a generous life is Jesus himself, and that's where I want to start there, with our eyes fixed on Jesus. Because a true attitude of generosity has its source and its power in the all-pervading, all-defining, never-ending, always-enduring, completely overcoming love of Jesus. And if, if... All that happens in our lives as a church from a whole month talking about generosity is every single person who has ever heard the word vineyard falls deeply in love with Jesus. We did a good thing. We did a good thing. What we know is that lovers are givers. That's just that's just what happens. You get poured out and you want to pour out. 
That's what the love of Jesus does. Jesus is the center, the North Star, the foundation, the beginning and the end of our lives. He's beneath it all. Nancy even stole one of my verses right in the middle of her spontaneous prayer. (laughs) Acts 17, Paul says, remember, in him, in Jesus, we live and we move and we have our being. Jesus is the foundation of our lives. He's the focal point. He is our vision. Theology. Who gave me an amen? Thank you. Amen. Theology is important. I'm all for it. I studied it for three years. I keep studying it. I love it. The second book I go to after the Bible is Systematic Theology by Wayne Grudem. I love it. Theology is important. The scriptures are foundational. We've got to be rooted in them. Ethics and morality, social issues, all of them are important. Heck, even politics are important. But if any of our theology, our scriptural study, our ethical or our moral posturing, our political thoughts, our views, our communication in any way skirts the primacy of Jesus' love for us at the center and core of all of our communication, of all of our motivation, all of our methods, and all of our uh, something else that starts with M, we've gone astray. Do you hear that? I'll just say it again. If, if in the midst of all of our theological ponderings and our scriptural study, our head, our heart, our mystical, our mystical experiences, our deep teaching in the ancient languages, our social, our moral, our political, our whatever, if, if at any point any of those take primacy from the place of Jesus first and foremost in our lives, we have been led astray. Jesus is our focus. We're going to be challenged to do all of this generous attitude and living from the centerpiece of God's love for us, shown in the life, the death, the resurrection, and the eternal reign of Jesus. Are you okay with that? Because that's where we're headed. Uh, The Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 5, he says this. um, It won't be up there. He's giving his reason for his motivation for compelling people to to, to the message of Jesus. Remember a couple weeks ago we talked about reconciliation. We're agents of reconciliation. Paul says to the Corinthians, my main motivation is the love of Jesus. It's a great passage. It says the love of Christ compels me. And I've said it before. I'll say it again because I love it. You can't tell if it's his love for Christ or Christ's love for him because the answer is yes. Always, both and. Paul says, here's why I'm doing the whole deal. It's the love of Jesus. His love for me, which prompts my love for him. That's what it's all about. So we're going to be challenged. And I just want to know if you're up for challenge in the next month. Yes. I do want to hear you say something. Yes. All right. <laughs> I'm sure that there are a lot of teachers. I've heard it because there are teachers of teachers who say, you know, when you're speaking, I'm, this is what they say. You've got to put the, lo- the cookies on the lower shelf. That's what they say. You know what, that, you know what they're saying by that? Like, if you want them to get the, the stuff they really want, you've got to put it low so they can just, you know, pick it off. It almost sounds like they're saying, when you're teaching, you ought, to teach the, you ought to treat the church like a bunch of babies. I have something to say about that. This is coming from someone who actually has lived 33 years with a dietetic nutritional professional. You do not live or grow on cookies. 
Do you get it? All right. We're not doing cookies here. Okay. And secondly, I don't think Jesus put anything on the lower shelf except himself. The only thing that Jesus lowered to the place where people could grasp him from any place was his himself, his own love. That was pretty good. I liked it a lot. So I want you to turn in your Bibles or your devices or your brain or look to the screen, 2 Corinthians 11. We're just going to look at two verses here, and then we're going to look at a verse in Matthew. We're going to tie it up, and then God, I believe, is inviting us to response. 2 Corinthians 11, Paul is writing to the believers in Corinth for the second time. That's why it's 2 Corinthians, all right? He did one letter, he's doing another. And in this section of the letter, specifically, Paul is defending his apostleship. All that means is Paul has been sent by God, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to give the truth of the gospel to the church at Corinth. And he's defending his being sent by God. Why? Because there are other people who are coming towards the Corinthians, and they are acting like apostles. They are saying, I'm sent from God. And Paul is challenging that and defending his apostleship because in the verse that we won't read, but I promise is there, he says, you know, if anyone else comes and they preach another Jesus or another gospel or, or, um, or give you some other message of truth, you, you abide it. You take it. And Paul's saying, don't do that. There's one message about Jesus. And so this is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians uh, 11, 2 to 4, for I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I betrothed you to one husband. That is, he's like, I'm the guy who said, I'm giving you to, a, to my friend, the bridegroom, and I'm the one to make sure that you don't stray from him. That's the imagery. I betrothed you to, to, uh, uh, to one husband so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. Not messing with any other Jesus. But I am afraid. It's one of the few times, a couple times Paul says it, I'm afraid. He says, I'm afraid that as the serpent, that's Satan, Genesis 1 and 2, deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led afray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Paul's big fear is that the Corinthians hearing other messages and other gospels and seeing another Jesus somehow through these super apostles would be led astray in their minds from the simplicity and the purity of devotion to Christ Jesus himself. That's Paul's concern. And he spends a lot of words, Holy Spirit words, communicating it's all about Jesus. It's interesting that one of the ways he defends his true apostleship, this is just an aside, later in 2 Corinthians 11 is by saying, you saw how I lived among you, right? I didn't covet your silver or gold. In other words, Paul's saying, how do you know I'm from God? Because I didn't do it just for the money. So even though he's not talking about generosity here, he's saying, you want to know if I'm from God? I'll I'll show you. This is what godly living is. A godly attitude looks like I'm giving freely from a generous heart. And scholars think, and just because I say scholars, don't lose me here. Scholars think that one of the main differences 
between these super apostles who were coming at the Corinthians and Paul himself was their view of power. Please follow me. These super apostles were coming and they were, they were preaching only a powerful and a resurrected Jesus. I'm all, we're all for the power. It's our mission statement, right? We, we encounter the love and power of God and give it away to the world, right? But these super apostles were forgetting about the other part of Jesus, the humble, the servant, the cross, the forgiveness, the willing humility. And so Paul was saying to them, be careful that you don't get sucked into the wrong Jesus, only a Jesus that lives in triumph. Because we follow the risen Lord who was first crucified and died and suffered. You cannot go through the New Testament. I'm really hyped up this morning. (sighs) You cannot go through the New Testament, hardly find a page without the reality of suffering in this world. And so Paul's saying, if we're going to keep our eyes on Jesus, it's got to be Jesus, Jesus, not superhero Jesus. At the same time, not just meek and mild Jesus, right? It's, it's the both and. Warning, if we focus, I wrote it right here, warning. If we focus only on the power of Jesus, we may miss the heart of Jesus. That's a good word to a charismatic church. I'm all about power. I got testimonies coming next week from the healing rooms. Why? Because the power of Jesus is present in our midst. But we're a both and church. We're a live in the tension church. We're a follow the suffering Jesus and follow the risen Lord church. We're a now and not yet kingdom come and not completely church. That's who we are. The major message of the scripture is the overcoming power of God's love to redeem. That is the major arc of scripture. The overcoming power of Jesus' love to redeem all things. But there's a minor message too. And it runs through every page of the book. The sacrificial love of God demonstrated over and over again in and through people who live out God's generous life by giving away, by freely becoming poor, the Gospels would say, by by giving it all, by saying, Jesus, you're number one, and I won't go after anything that lifts me up. If we focus only on the sacrifice, we'll miss the, ma- the major message of power and we'll live our lives, lives in despair and discouragement. Who wants that? Not me. Right? But if we focus only on the power, we basically want to live in Disney World where there's no unhappy thought allowed. Right? So we've got to take the major, the love and the power, the reign of Jesus and marry it in this life with the suffering and the humility and the willing submission of Jesus. Remember the major is love. And the minor, the power, I mean, the, the, um, the major is love. The minor is that, is that sacrifice, that, that oh, willingness to oh, give whatever it takes. If I, you would be shocked at the power of God manifest in this room if I were just to have every person come forward and say, here's how God has shown up in my weakness. And in a chapter, that's exactly what Paul's going to do. But we'll get to that at another time. I've digressed. And isn't that his whole point? (laughs) Right? Refocus Jesus. That's his whole point. 
I'm afraid, just like the enemy, the serpent, deceived Eve, twisted the words of God, took her focus off of the the sovereign and brought her focus down to an apple of all things. I'm good for plant-based. It's all good. I love it. Fruit is a good thing. But Paul's big concern is that these followers of Jesus would have their minds led astray from the simplicity and the purity of devotion to Christ. So a question for us. Is there any way in our lives right now, is there any way in your life right now that the enemy of your soul is attempting to lead you astray from the simplicity and the purity of devotion to Christ? You do not have to scan your own life. The Holy Spirit will do that for you. You get to ask the question, Holy Spirit, is there any way that the enemy of my soul right now is trying to lead me astray from the simplicity and the purity of devotion to Jesus? What's taking your eyes off Jesus right now? What's occupying your mind, your thoughts, your emotions? I had to have a whole hour of repentance this morning just reading my own message. Because I've been occupied and distracted by other things rather than Jesus. I'm not saying that what you're thinking of or concerned with is not important. I'm just saying that if you're not seeing, feeling, dealing with, thinking through, living in the midst of all of that stuff that you're concerned with in any way apart from the secure eternal love of Jesus, then you're not seeing properly. We are not seeing properly. When Jesus is not in focus, we've missed it. When anything takes the prime place of Jesus in our lives. 2 Corinthians 11.3, back to that. He's afraid that they'll be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. I heard Ian, I didn't listen to the message yet, I heard Ian gave you about 50 Greek words last week. I'm only going to give one. (laughs) The word that Paul uses in 2 Corinthians 11.3 for simplicity is almost exactly the same word that Jesus used. At least he would have spoken in Aramaic, but translated into Greek. The same word in Matthew 6.22, when Jesus says that very confusing thing about if uh, the eye is the lamp of the body, if your eye is pure, your whole body's full of light. You're thinking, what the heck is he talking about? The word, let me read it. Jesus says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, that's the word, clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? He's thinking, that's such a weird, and especially when you see the context, you'll go, what? The word for clear, the same word in 2 Corinthians 11.3 for simplicity of devotion to Christ, two words, two, two scriptures, I mean one word, two scriptures is haplos. Actually, one is an adjective and one is a noun, but same root. Get it? Okay? Everybody still with me? We love grammar. Here's what it means. Here's what the word means from Paul and from Jesus. It's up on the screen. Singleness. Simplicity. Sincerity, mental honesty. That ought to send a shiver through you. Mental honesty, the virtue of one free from pretense, pretending you're something that you're not, or hypocrisy, 
living exactly opposite of what you say you believe. Not self-seeking, openness of heart manifesting itself by generosity. In the adjective version in uh, Matthew 6 from Jesus, simple, single, whole. Jesus is saying that if your vision, your focus, your view of the world is clear and simple and true, in other words, if it's focused on God and God alone, then your whole body, think your whole life, will be full of light. If you get your focus right, the rest of life follows. If Jesus is preeminent, then God's sovereignty reigns in every other aspect of your life. When the, when, when the eyes are clear, don't think just physical eyes. When the eyes, when your focus, your vision, what, what, what you're most concerned about is clear, is pure, is healthy, fixed on Jesus, your whole body, your whole life is full of light. That's why in Matthew 6, Jesus will say, seek first the kingdom of God and then everything comes with it, right? All in the context of don't worry, which is easy, right? Why am I talking about that? Now, let me read the verse in its context, because it's interesting to me that the context of Matthew 6 is, bing, 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 you guessed it, generosity. Matthew 6, 19 to 24. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is in you, that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. It's, you, you, we don't get to just rip verses out of their context and then apply them everywhere we want, right? We've got to be true to what Jesus is up to here. He's, he's talking about generosity. He's talking about attachments and disordered attachments in the world. And he's saying, I want you to be attached to one and one only, me. Jesus is saying, I am jealous for your attention. Jesus' jealousy is pure because he knows what's best for us. Us directed on him, him him focused on us, and the love of God pervades all things. Make God your sole focus because you can only truly worship one. That's what Jesus is saying. You can worship stuff and self or you can worship Jesus. You can't do them both. It's just the Bible. It's just what it says in there. I happen to have lived it out and know that it's also true. You probably do too. So the invitation from the Lord that I think God's giving to us this morning is a clear eye, a clear focus on Jesus. No distraction, no deception, no straying this morning from the simple and pure devotion. Jen and I were on a walk yesterday, and I am, uh, as I've said before, uh, let's say geographically challenged. I can get lost in my own house. We've only lived there for 18 years, so I'm not really being extreme. My directions are bad. Whatever I was supposed to get, I didn't. Jane got it. 
okay? Jane's amazing. Even Jane yesterday wasn't certain where we were. We were walking through the neighborhood looking for a nature trail, and, I, and so what do I do? The smart guy, right? Google Maps. And, you know, so we finally find out where we were, and we find out, finally find out where we're going, and then, when, you, know, you know when you get on Google Maps? Who's ever used Google Maps? Okay, 82%. Use Google Maps. You, you, you find out where you are. You find out where you're going to go, but your screen's never, bi- never big enough to try to figure out how they're related. So you start scrolling around, and all of a sudden you realize, I don't know where I am anymore. I now know where I'm going, but I no longer know where I am. So what comes up on Google Maps? Thank you. You're like prophetic. <laughs> right? Right? And we did it yesterday and we got home. This is the invitation of Jesus for us this morning. It's a recentering time. It's a, it's a refocus. It's a reset. This is for every single one of us in every aspect of our lives. This is just Jesus saying, Here's my invitation. I want to be number one. I want you to gaze into my eyes. I want a love relationship deeper than you've ever imagined. And I want to pour out in and through you more than you have ever even dreamed of. But it starts with a single focus. It starts with a recenter. And I believe that God has given us that recenter button in our lives, the gift. It's called repentance. Jesus is the center. We can see all things in and from and through him. He, he, he wants us to just come back to our first love. Just come back to Jesus as the center of all things. Whatever is distracting us these days, whatever is taking us off. Back in 1 Corinthians 2, this is Paul's very beginning of his first letter to the Corinthians. See, his theme has gone all the way through. This Jesus theme is really big with Paul. Really big. And back at the beginning of his uh, first letter, he says this to the Corinthians. Just reminding you, Corinthians, when I came to you, I didn't come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved, this is, this is Paul the brainiac, Paul the brilliant, Paul the Holy Spirit inspired every word that he wrote inspired by the Holy Spirit was perfect and true. This is Paul. And he says, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and his humility. Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. Jesus Christ and his willing generosity from the Father of heaven. Jesus and him crucified. He said, that's it. That's my number one. Now, just to be fair, so you know, the end of that verse, Paul says, because I didn't want your faith to be landed on or squared or based on the wisdom of men, but on what? The power of God. I love that. But we've got to start with Jesus. It's all about Jesus. So the question is, are we living for anything or anyone other than Jesus? Or have we strayed from the writer to the Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 2, he says, in fixing our eyes on Jesus, this is how we run the race, 
fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author, he started it, and the perfecter, he finishes it, of our faith. Is there anything that's distracting you from the simplicity and the purity of devotion to Jesus right now? This is not a message of condemnation. This is a message of invitation. Repentance is a gift. I promise, based on God's word, that if you or I are looking at, gazing at, focusing on, working for anything other than this love of Jesus, when we turn, we will see him. We don't turn in fear. We turn and we face perfect love. That's what happens when we meet Jesus. Let's stand. Lynn, will you come forward? And I'd like to ask the ministry team to come forward too. I want to take a few minutes here at the end. I want you to be able to respond in any way that you want. So if the ministry team could come down. And if you need to repent, ministry team, then you get to turn around anytime and get on your knees. That's where I'll be. I'm going to ask Lynn to play in just a minute a simple song to help us look back at Jesus. But as she starts and as we're singing, I always want you to feel free at any time to respond to Jesus' invitation any way that he asked you to this morning. If anything is distracting you from Jesus, come back. If anything's clouding your vision, refocus. If you find yourself lost, don't know where you're going in life, thought you knew where you were headed but no longer know where you are, recenter, repent, change your mind, turn around. And I promise, based on God's faithfulness, that you see Jesus. And when you see him, you see everything. Let's just take a minute while Lynn plays. I love this. While she plays, let's take a minute. And and do your own, have your own conversation with God. Jesus, let's just pray. Jesus, is there anything distracting my vision, my focus, anything leading me astray? Holy Spirit, come and show me. to an invitation from Jesus. You can do it in your seat. You can kneel where you are. You can come forward. You can have someone pray for you, whatever you want to do. I've asked Lynn just to sing that through a couple of times and let's sing with her. Let's let's declare our desire to say yes to fixing our eyes on Jesus. And we'll just stay here as long as God is moving. You're free to go if and when you need to. Uh, 